Now, I don't really need to uh, introduce Becky because everybody knows her, but I just want to say this, that Steve and I recognize that God's given her a teaching gift, and that's one of the reasons why she heads up teaching for the, your children. She goes out week after week and teaches your children. And we just thought, well, that's not really fair for us because we're kind of missing out a bit here. Wouldn't it be great to hear Becky teach us as well? So I just want you to welcome Becky uh, as she comes to teach us this afternoon. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. Okay, um, so most of you probably won't know this about me, um, but I am completely unable to look after plants. So uh, fortunately at the moment I live in a masonette, so I'm on the top floor, so I don't actually have a garden. So I get to look at my neighbour's lawn and flowers, but I don't actually have to look after them, which is brilliant. However, my mother is determined to nurture green fingers in me. Um, So recently she bought me an orchid. Now, I did have a picture of the orchid to show you, but you'll just have to imagine it. Um, So the picture that I was going to show you had two... stalks uh, with the little uh, flowery bits on but I've actually recently had to chop one of them off because one of the stalks died. Um, I followed the instructions as a little label it tells me what to do but yeah it died unfortunately. Um, I think perhaps maybe I should have started something with something a little bit more simpler like cress seeds but no mum wanted wanted to give me an orchid so she did. Um, I've also actually found that those blessed with green fingers seem to have a sort of radar for those that don't. So um, many of you will know the lovely Judy Took, Tesco lady extraordinaire. Uh, The first time she came into my house, literally within five minutes, she had clocked my aloe vera plant, sitting miserably, looking really sorry for itself, on my kitchen windowsill. And she very, very graciously uh, proceeded to tell me that I could repot it chop off the dead bits and stop watering it. Apparently I had overwatered it uh, in an attempt to actually resuscitate it. So that is what I have done and it is doing a little bit better, but yeah, still getting there. Today uh, I actually want us to look at a plant in the Bible, the vine plant that Jesus uses as a picture uh, for the last of his seven I am sayings in John's Gospel that show us he is God. And the picture of the vine has always been a real encouragement to me when I think about what serving Jesus looks like and what the Bible says about this. I want to ask the question, how do we serve Jesus wholeheartedly? I'm always struck by how often the Bible tells us to do this. For example, Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. I'm sure you'll agree that actually that doesn't automatically happen for us. Often, serving is hard, and it can leave us feeling burnt out or discouraged. But what makes a difference is our connectedness to Jesus. As we stay linked into Christ day by day, we discover that actually we're able to serve him out of a place of rest rather than a place of striving. And it's this connectedness to Jesus that helps us to serve with our whole heart. So I want us to take a look at John chapter 15, um, if you've got a Bible. And we're going to read the first eight verses.
Okay, so John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we're shown here what it is that actually helps us to serve wholeheartedly. First of all, we see God as our divine gardener. And it's him who's responsible for producing the fruit in our lives. It's he who prunes us so that we can bear even more fruit. And then, secondly, attachment to Jesus the vine is absolutely vital if we are to produce fruit in the first place. It's these things that then enable us to serve from a place of rest. And we're going to have a look at those in turn today. So just to set the scene a little bit, uh, a quick bit of internet research reveals that vines are among the earliest wild plants to actually be cultivated by humans. So our ancient ancestors began cultivating wild grape uh, vines at the start of agriculture in order to harvest them for wine production. And then uh, the ancient Greeks and Romans obviously perfected the early art of winemaking, but archaeological evidence suggests that people were attempting to make vines, wine, sorry, from the fruit of vines as early as 4000 BC. And Old Testament writers often use the vineyard or the vine as a symbol for Israel, God's covenant people. Isaiah 5's Song of the Vineyard reveals how God gave everything his people needed to be a blessing to the world. Verse 2 of Isaiah 5 says, He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. What more could have been done for my vineyards than I have done for it? But there was a problem. Just like us sometimes, Israel found themselves unable to bear fruit. Isaiah 5 continues, When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Israel forfeited God's blessing by favouring ungodliness and failing to bear fruit. And we know that God is looking for good grapes in our lives too. But we can sometimes get that sinking feeling that there's not a lot worth picking. We just don't feel very fruitful sometimes. Jesus, by contrast to Israel in John 15 verse 1, is described as the true vine. His followers are to remain in him and produce fruit. The fruitlessness of Israel is contrasted with the fruitfulness of those in Christ. No longer would people receive blessing through a covenant relationship to Israel, but through the new vine, who is Christ, 
and God's people would have to be intimately connected to Jesus to receive spiritual life and to bear fruit. And so John gives us this picture of connectedness, our connectedness to Jesus the vine, us as the branches, and then God the Father, the gardener. In God's kingdom, we all have a place, a purpose, a role to fulfill. And actually, this connectedness, this picture of the vine and the branches and God the gardener, it actually shows us what God has done about the problem of unfruitfulness. He has made it his responsibility. It's not me who has to strive to produce fruit. It's God the gardener who does it. And with my track record with plants, it's good to know that there is somebody who knows what he's doing when it comes to producing spiritual fruit. And verse 2 tells us more about this divine gardener who is responsible for caring for the vine. Since the purpose of the vine is to produce fruit, attention in verse 2 is focused in on the branches and what needs to be done to ensure a good crop of fruit is produced. The gardener needs to first remove the unfruitful branches and then secondly he prunes all the others to make them even more fruitful. Grapevines actually have a long uh, lifespan. The oldest known grapevine is over 400 years old um, and can be found in Yarra, Serenia, still bearing fruit. The average grapevine lives apparently 60 to 70 years, with a typical growing season being between 150 and 180 days, during which time it can actually produce 25 to 30 pounds of fruit. And John uses fruit here uh, as a picture of good results coming from the life of the believer as we serve Jesus in terms of bringing benefit to the lives of others and the work of God's kingdom in the world. So any time we use our God-given abilities to help others, we are fulfilling our calling and allowing God to bear fruit through us. Apparently, in some churches in China, they welcome new believers by saying, Jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to listen with, new hands to help with, and a new heart to love others with. The branches that do not bear fruit here seem to refer to those that are not in Christ, i.e. unbelievers. So it follows that they cannot bear fruit for Christ and his kingdom. Pruning is the most important process for maintaining a healthy, fruitful vine. A few summers ago, I went uh, to the Eden Project uh, during a holiday in Cornwall, and you'll probably know they have these great big greenhouse things uh, that they call biomes. And in the Mediterranean biome, they grow vines, and the gardeners explain how they get the vines to produce fruit year after year. The vines are dormant in winter, and just before Christmas, they cut off the previous year's foliage, ready for the fruit to come back in the spring. Isn't that what we want for our lives? To be consistently producing fruit through our service to Christ year after year. Remember, this is God's responsibility, though. So how does he do it? Well, again, verse 2 reveals how sometimes our branches can be barren. Or our Heavenly Father wants us to produce more fruit. So, just like the gardeners at the Eden Project, he prunes us. Like these vines, there are things in our lives that need to be removed to make room for the fruit to come back in the spring. And this sort of excess clutter 
is things in our lives that produce no fruit, like pointless or destructive habits or activities that sap all our energy or get us nowhere. God prunes away the things that can distract us or take us off track from serving him. Now, none of us would be terribly excited, I don't think, to see God coming into our home, our workplace, or our private space with the lopping shears. So it does figure that actually pruning can be a painful experience. But it's not that God wants to destroy our character or remove from us every luxury, but rather remove from our lives undue or excessive influences that are not conducive to serving him. Not to make us miserable, but to make us more like Jesus, so that we can be more of a blessing to others. God is responsible for the fruit, and he knows that just as in nature the vine branches must be pruned, so must we, in order to produce fruit year after year. And so being a branch that bears fruit for God is not something that we can do on our own. We have God caring for us and gently pruning us. And so what I want to talk about now is how important it is that as we submit to God's pruning, we remain attached, connected to Jesus. A branch, whether of a vine or a tree, must be attached to the main plant. And any plant, any branch, sorry, that isn't attached uh, is not fit for purpose. It can no longer receive nutrients, it's not going to grow, and there's absolutely no way it's going to produce any fruit. And this is true for us. Without attachment to Jesus, the true vine, we are in danger of becoming discouraged. When the pruning shears are slipping away, we can wonder whether actually it's all worth it. Jesus says in John 15:4, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. But what does this mean, to remain in Christ, the true vine? Some Bible versions translate that verb to remain as to abide. Now, I'm a little bit of a word geek, so I have actually looked this word up in the dictionary. um, And it said to abide uh, is archaic for to live or to remain in a place, to dwell. So living in Christ, remaining, dwelling in that one place, means to continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus, characterised by trust, prayer, obedience and joy. And it's as we remain connected to Jesus that we are able to keep serving him with a full and ready heart. Central to the picture of the vine in this passage is verse 5, which demonstrates our dependence on Christ. We are to remain inseparably linked to Jesus in all areas of life. We depend on him for grace and power to obey. We look to his word for instruction on how to live and we ask for the infilling of his spirit daily. We offer him our deepest adoration and praise and we submit ourselves to his authority over our lives. And as we safeguard our relationship with Jesus in this way, he continues, as John says, to fully remain in us. The communication channels stay open and he is able to nourish us spiritually. In her book, The Prayer That Changes Everything, Stormy O'Martian sums this up brilliantly. And she says, daily remaining in Christ means being close enough to communicate your whole heart to him on an ongoing basis. 
Jesus is so keen for us to get this point that remaining in him is absolutely vital for producing fruit, that he says it twice. And he then gives us the flip side in verse 5 by spelling out what happens if we do the opposite. So we're told if we don't remain in Jesus, then we can do nothing. This obviously doesn't mean nothing at all, because believers can carry on their normal everyday life and activities apart from Christ. Rather, we are unable to do anything of eternal value. We are unable to produce spiritual fruit. Verse 7 shows how actually remaining in Christ is closely linked to prayer. Those close to the vine will not wish to ask anything that is not in line with the vine himself because its purpose is bringing glory to the Father, the ultimate gardener. And as verse 8 tells us, God is glorified as his followers bear much fruit for the advancement of his kingdom. And in my own experience, I've found prayer such an encouragement as I've looked for fruit in my life. And I was reminded of this recently uh, over the summer as I helped to lead a beach mission team in Aberystwyth, uh, where I used to live. I was a student there and lived there for five years in total. And the beach mission uh, it aims to reach out to a mixture of local people, um, but also to holiday makers. Um, and because of the nature of the activities, it makes it very accessible for children and young people. So, for example, we had about 90 children attending a holiday club in the morning. And then the afternoon session is uh, an open-air sort of uh, everybody's invited event on the prom that aims to draw in the parents of the children that we'd met in the morning. And each year that we've run the, the mission, we've longed as a team to see uh, more of the adults just really being brought in, really being connected with, as generally the ones that come along are quite passive and just sort of watch their kids from afar, even though we dish out nice coffees and we have a nice area for them to sit and chat in. Um, there's, there's quite a distance really. And so we committed to praying specifically about this this year. And on the Tuesday, as soon as the kids had gone off to their little zones and activities, a lady came straight over to the chat zone uh, and she turned to my friend Miriam and said, so what is it you guys believe? And that just opened up a brilliant conversation and she just was really honest and said, I feel lost, I feel like the black sheep of the family, uh, I've got a Bible but I don't really know what to do with it or how it can help me. And, and Miriam was able to just systematically take her through the Bible and just show her Jesus and what he's done and how the whole Bible points to him. And then this lady's children continued to come to our holiday club all week and then the whole family came to a, an evening event midweek where conversations about Jesus continued. This was such an encouragement to us all as it was just so wonderful to see God rush to answer us as we leaned into him as we served. Not relying on our past experience of doing things or taking anything for granted, but rather seeking him first in prayer. And so we see how God has made our fruitfulness his responsibility. He is the gardener. We are the branches and we are not expected to do things on our own. In fact, we're told, apart from him, we can do nothing. We are encouraged to be receptive to God's pruning of those things that hinder our focus and service to him and stay plugged into Jesus through our daily personal walk with him, depending on him for all things and letting prayer be the driving force of our service. It is then that we are free to serve God, bearing fruit out of a place of rest as we remain in Christ 
daily, drawing strength, nourishment and direction. And in Matthew 11, verse 28, we're given this promise of rest. Matthew 11:28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus isn't talking about a life of leisure here, but rather cultivating a life with Christ. We are encouraged to take on the yoke of Jesus, a yoke being something that was intending to ease the discomfort of carrying a heavy load, and learn from him, sort of be Jesus' apprentice, and in so doing, allowing ourselves to be nourished by God, just as Jesus did. Apprenticeship with Jesus means being called to intimacy with God the Father. If we attempt to serve without being nourished by God, we are likely to feel burnt out, exhausted and heavy burdened, acting like a lone ranger branch with our back to the vine. A heart rested to serve by remaining in Christ is one that is in this posture of wholehearted service to God. One of my favourite verses is one I mentioned at the start, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. God made us to be a branch. We don't choose this, we are this, if we are a follower of him. He has made each of us specifically to bear fruit that is unique to us as a reflection of how he has transformed our lives in Christ. Rick Warren talks about how we all have this very specific shape and he says, God never wastes anything. He would not give you abilities, interests, talents, gifts, personality and life experiences unless he intended to use them for his glory. And we are all a combination of lots of different parts which form our shape. And he actually spells out the word shape, so it's quite easy to remember. So the S is spiritual gifts, H, heart, A, abilities, P, personality, and E, experience. And he goes on to suggest that we are most effective when we use our spiritual gifts and abilities in the area of our heart's desire and in a way that best expresses our personality and experiences. When the Bible tells us to serve the Lord with all your heart, it's referring to the things that make us who we are, the bundle of desires, hopes, interests, dreams and affections that we all have. God deserves our best, and as we serve wholeheartedly, we grow like Christ, who is our ultimate example in serving. Small tasks often show a big heart. And Jesus specialised in these indiscriminate acts of kindness, the kind that everybody else tried to avoid. Things like washing feet, helping children, making breakfast, serving lepers. Nothing was beneath him because he came to serve. So how do we serve Jesus wholeheartedly? Because it's clear that God's intention has always been for us to serve passionately, not dutifully. And this is why our service is not from a place of striving, but of rest. The ongoing rest that comes from remaining in Jesus, the true vine. 
And this is gospel living, where every corner of life is touched by the truth of Jesus' grace, in which everything we do, think, speak and act out is radically transformed by the acceptance we have received from God because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we become known for lavish acts of service and love to others because of how we have been served and loved by Jesus. So when we take seriously Paul's encouragement that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, we realise that actually not just spiritual gifts, but every ability we have can be used for God's glory, whether it's administrating, baking, designing, managing, planting, inventing, selling, teaching, writing. Our abilities were not just given to us to make a living, but to serve God. We all have something to give. And God wants to use us to make a difference in his world. I'm always so encouraged when I read about people in the Bible who in themselves were weak and incompetent, but who with God achieved great things for him. Again, Rick Warren says, Abraham was old, Jacob was insecure, Moses stuttered, Gideon was poor, Rahab was immoral, Jeremiah was depressed, Jonah was reluctant, John the Baptist was eccentric, to say the least. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. And Timothy was timid. To close, I was just going to show you a PowerPoint picture of connectedness. So perhaps just imagine what that vine looks like with the vine and the branches that's us. And then the fruit coming down that God the Father looks after. The world says, you must become great before you do great. But the Bible shows us weakness precedes usefulness. Today, I want to just encourage you that no matter who you are, God can use you. Our weakness is not an excuse or disqualification. He gives us everything we need in Jesus as we remain attached to him, our true vine. And that's why I love to serve, to partner with God in the things that he puts on my heart, whether in the workplace, here at Jubilee, with my friends and family. It's such an encouragement to know that fruit is something I can let God produce in me as I stay close to Jesus. In the heart of Romans 12, the chapter about what it means to live as a living sacrifice for God, The message paraphrase of verse 5 tells us, Since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvellously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. I just think it would be really great if we could finish by praying for each other. So shall we just stand? I'm just going to read that um, message translation again. Since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvellously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. And maybe at the moment we might be aware that God is pruning us. And perhaps we need people to stand with us as we wait for the fruit to come. Maybe we're aware that actually we have been running on empty. We haven't been a branch attached to the vine, that we've been trying to do things. 
and we felt like we've been striving rather than resting. Maybe actually you want to stand with others, other people with their medals on, and actually just bless them and encourage them, people that serve us so brilliantly here week after week, and ask God for more fruit from those branches. So I'm actually going to hand back to Rob because I want to come and pray with people, but I just think what would be lovely is if we could turn to each other and just pray in some groups um, and just encourage one another um, as we serve together. Yeah, of course. Should we pray? Mm. Jesus, I just thank you so much that you are our true vine. And I thank you that nowhere along the way do you leave us on our own. God, it is such a joy and a privilege to serve you. And we're sorry for those times where uh, we just run on ahead and we don't stop and wait and rest remaining attached to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us to always serve out of a place of rest as we remain in you. And I pray that as we do that, we would know what it means to serve you wholeheartedly with joy and with pleasure and with expectancy. So God, I just pray that you would speak to each of us. Pray that you would encourage us. Pray that you would fill us up where we need filling up. Pray that you would continue to equip us and envision us and give us great excitement for what it is that you would have us do. Thank you that you've made us all so uniquely and so originally and that you have a specific shape. And God, we just thank you again that apart from you we can do nothing. And it is your great joy as we stay attached to you, Jesus, to produce lots of fruit And God, that's what we want, so that Jesus, you are glorified here at Jubilee and in all the places that we're a part of. In Jesus' name, amen.